<coughs> All right, thank you, Mr. Steven. I'll be right down. Um, you can take out your Bibles and then you can go to Matthew 13. Uh, we'll be <coughs> in that section. We continue the um, Jesus. Uh, Jesus is going through the different parables. So today we're going to talk about the kingdom is the greatest treasure or is like the greatest treasure. Uh, but as you're finding your place there, um, um, thank you very much. Uh, I want to thank you. <coughs> thank you for coming uh, to worship because it held my heart today. It totally did. Um, I'm just, uh, I feel the love of Christ uh, as we were worshiping together. Um, and uh, I was just reminded, because <laughs> Stephen was sending me the slides and he was like, oh, there's this, uh, um, there was this kid's song. And, oh, a kid's song, you know. Oh, it's that song, you know. But as we were preparing to sing it, I remembered, uh, um, I can't remember who, I think it's J.I. Packer or somebody else, a great theologian was asked one time shortly before he died, what is the, what is the greatest theological truth? And he said, Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so we might think sometimes that we need to know all sorts of things about God but this truth this truth really grasped in us will change everything about our lives if we really believe that God loves us we also believe that he's good we also believe that he is true and we would naturally give our lives over to it but it's probably also one of the theological truths that is hardest for people to accept they don't have to do anything I can't work myself to it I can't grasp it I can't win it we have to believe it that is what God has said and sometimes that can be I think be difficult for us to um, to receive and so that was a long introduction that has maybe slightly something to do with what we're going to talk about today, the great, greatest treasure. Uh, but, but again, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for being a fellowship that want to worship together in song and in prayer and in giving testimonies. How encouraging it is that we don't have to carry all this ourselves. If we're not having a good day, if we're having a bad week, we can come and be lifted towards Jesus by one another and I just want I want to thank you for that 
Um, so thank you. <coughs> and if I can find Matthew, then we will read today's text. <coughs> So for Matthew um, 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all he has to buy, to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down, sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Amen. And so uh, I'm continuing what we've been doing the last two weeks of Jesus starting to teach in parables these stories that convey uh, a, a truth about who God is uh, from a picture that is well known or well used. So today we'll see somebody uh, find a treasure in a field and we'll see somebody uh, looking for pearls and then we'll have a fish, fishing metaphor. Um, and then before you go like, what? You can't find treasures in the field? Well, you can, and they actually just you can, and you actually also that just happened this week in Denmark. They found some old treasures in a field. It doesn't happen a lot anymore, but it, it is actually something getting happened because the bank system wasn't as secure, and so also if you had some wealth, you didn't know what to do with you could hit it in a field, hide in a field. So it's, this is not as a crazy example as it may may come off. This could actually happen. And then if nobody, like that's, that would, if nobody knew the family there, some family has been there before and they hit all the treasures, then this guy comes and finds it. So like, oh, I'm going to get this field. Um, so just like, just, just from a little bit of, from just recapping from last time, was like we were talking about the mustard seed of how the kingdom of God was something that grew up and spread and even birds could nest in it and then we had the other metaphor of uh, of leaven in dough where the kingdom of God would 
infiltrate everything. And then we had uh, the parable of the weeds. And we are having some kind of parallels today because the parable of the weeds, <laughs> weeds, the weeds seem to also have the same meaning as the parable of the net. And maybe that was the week you had this week. <laughs> I think it was a little bit for me this the week I had. Um, but we'll get back back to that. Um, so from last time, you also had this, there was this, uh, Jesus has been very clear about what happens if you reject God and reject the kingdom. And that that, that is that you go to a place that's horrible. There's, there's nothing good about that place. But, there's also great encouragement that if you put your hope and faith and trust in God, then you will be with him. So there's a great warning and then there's a great hope. And this is what we've been seeing through all, all, all Matthew. As Matthew, he's trying to tell them, everyone, that Jesus is this hope. That Jesus is the Christ. He is the one that's going to bring this thing to happen. He is the one that that can create great hope, can create great joy, and can bring people to God. And then, just a short note on the two first parables. When Jesus doesn't explain his parables, sometimes people who have a lot of time, use a lot of time, and they, they come with very long explanations sometimes about what what is the treasure what is the thing and and I was reading many of them and I was like for me I'm a simple man so the way I'm going to focus on these two parables is I'm going to say they talk about value I'm going to say they talk about what they say they talk about you can read lots of commentaries many, many smart people say that the treasure is this and the other thing is this I don't find all of it convincing and I'm not sure it's helpful. I think Jesus is conveying obvious simple truth that the kingdom has immense value. So you can read all sorts of people saying all sorts of things about these two parables but I think taking it as what it says Jesus is focusing on the value of the kingdom, of how much it's worth. So if we look at the first, <laughs> if we look at the first one, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's he's a great Torah storyteller. <laughs> he's just like, a guy walks and he finds a treasure in a field. He covers it up and then he goes with all his joy and sells everything he has to buy that particular field. I mean, I, I get it. I, this is a good storytelling mode. and But for most of us, we'd be like, okay, I mean, did he just walk into that field? Is he, what's he doing? Again, I don't think we have to go so much into those things. Because I do think Jesus is tell, telling us something quite simple. He's saying this man finds something that has so great value that he is willing to go and sell everything he has. And then I don't know about you, maybe if you grew up in church or right now you're just thinking about 
Well, I mean, did he really have to go buy? Did he really have to go sell everything? I mean, if he could get, <laughs> if he could <laughs> Joseph laughing, he's from the Netherlands. Like, if he could get a good deal on it, like if he could get deal, a good deal on the field, like he didn't have to go sell everything. He could just keep, you know, he could keep uh, just a few of the things. <laughs> and I think, and I think the point is, and I think in the that's when our hearts and mind is again is drawing us away from what the point is. It's not like this guy wants to keep anything. Because he is full of joy. Because he has found something that has so much value that all of the other things don't matter. So if you're like me, <laughs> you stop in the middle and you're like, well, how much can I keep for myself? Then I think we're missing misunderstanding what Jesus is trying to convey. He's trying to explain to us that this man finds something in the field that is so valuable that he doesn't care that he is so willing to part with everything so he can get that one thing. And then, then the second point is a little more abstract for me uh, because I don't know a lot of people maybe some people from other places uh, know these people who who go or a merchant who who search for fine pearls because I don't there's not a lot of fine pearls I don't think in this area uh, but there might be in other places in the world so you have this merchant and I'm uh, thinking that this is like what he does like he goes around to find pearls and it, it has been his mission in life to find that one pearl that one pearl the perfect pearl and then one day he does he finds this he I don't know if he has uh, 10 different pearls at home uh, many other them or whatever but then one day he finds the thing he's been looking for all the time this pearl of great price and he reacts the same he reacts the same way as the another man and he goes and sells everything he has to find this perfect pearl of great price that he's always been looking for and so I think that what we learn is the same thing this man though you can say well he's been searching he's been looking for it and then he finds it. And the first man, he doesn't, he not, he not, he not even, he's not, I don't know, where is he, not, he has not even been looking for it, but he finds it. But upon finding it, he sells everything, and with great joy, he goes and sells it and to, to buy that field. So actually, a little, I don't know, I'm going to tie everything together. <laughs> what I was talking about in the introduction that if we really understand if we really if we really understand and grasp that God loves us then everything changes these two people have found the most valuable thing ever and they're willing with joy to give that up 
another person that means searching is with joy giving everything up. Why? Because they found something of immense value that nothing in the world could compare to. That's the same we see with us actually understanding the love of God. That if we grasp that, I said if we, if we really understand the kingdom of God, we will with joy give up everything. And so a little bit like we talk about, if we really understand that God loved us, understand who he is and what at all that means, then we will automatically say, God, here is everything. With joy, we will give everything up. Because it's what we've really been searching for all the time. And the third parable is about fishing. <laughs> and and so all these people live around the lake and now it's been a long time since I've had maps on and we'll have map we will have maps next time because there it's gonna be a little walking next time. So we'll have the map, but most of Jesus' ministry is around the Sea of Galilee. And so most of these people he's talking to, they know fishing. Like they know people that fish, they they see all of these things that's talked about here. So it's not as abstract as for me because I've never seen this. Stephen, he worked, uh, he lived on a lake and he knows everything about this. Me, I was like, it's all theoretical. I, I've never had a net in my hand. I've never fished in my life. I never thought that was interesting. But for these people, this makes total sense. So Jesus is using the parable of a net that they cast into the water. And then the the net is filled with all sorts of things. Like if you did down here, you'd probably get a lot of some garbage. And oh, thank you. <laughs> if you did it down here, you'd probably get lots of garbage and shoes and all sorts of things. Not not everything would be something you could uh, a- actually eat or, or 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 use. You might even get a old bicycle or something that's been thrown in the fjord. I, d- I don't think they got that at that time, but. But they know they know this picture and and they're dragging <coughs> they're dragging this net up and they're uh, I mean in the picture they're sitting there on the beach after they've taken the net up and they're sorting these things out and they're putting the things that they can uh, the fish that they can use they're putting in a container while the other ones are just getting thrown out again and Jesus explains. It's always nice when he explains. He explains what it means. And he says, this is what it's going to be. So at the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. That place, is th- there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's the same conclusion he had on the parable of the weeds. So Jesus comes with two examples of how much value the kingdom has. Last week, how it expands, how it infiltrates everything, how there will be a judgment of the righteous and the unrighteous, actually evil. And so Jesus does that again. He contrasts the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew calls it. And he says, there will be a judgment. There will be a sorting out of things. There will be 
a division of the righteous and the evil. And then we can, the big question we maybe get a lot of times as Christians is, why don't God just do it? And we had it with the weeds as well. Well, I'm going to let it grow up and I'll harvest it in the end. We talked about the Bible study and maybe we feel like it today and maybe also here. Like, why, does it, why do I have to live in a world with all this evil and all these bad things? Well, don't worry. It will be sorted out. But also don't be surprised because we're told that's how it is at the moment. There'll be evil and things that rubbed you the wrong way. There's things that's going to make you mad. There's gonna, things that's going to make you sad. But that's also where we can shine as lights. And this guy, and the one guy, he, he lives in the same world. The guy who goes and buys the field and the one who's looking for the pearl, they live in the same world. But they still find the thing of great, great, great value that they give their all for and all to. So I think that's the same thing called for us. So the classic uh, question is like, so what does these parables have to do with us? How do we live this stuff out? I mean, if where is that pearl and where is that field? Do we need to go with uh, detecting things to find to find the <laughs> to find the gold, or do I need to take up scuba diving to find the pearls? No, no, no. That's not that's not the thing. And and also, if we go down and cast a net, we can't be the one sorting out the good and the bad. So the questions we have to be con- or we are confronted with is do I find it hard to give everything up for the kingdom? Like do I have things that I, w- I <laughs> in the first time I'm not going to sell this I'm just going to keep that. And maybe it's not stuff you can sell either. Maybe it's people maybe it's honor maybe it's pride things we would hold on and not not, not really get rid of. And these parables expose us to that. Because what is it that I don't want to give up? Do we have questions of, like, how much do I really commit my life to God? We can see these two people. They, They see the value and give everything up. And we have the example in Jesus who gives up everything also. And that's God how God showed us that he loves us. <laughs> then I was confronted about the first guy. Because <laughs> it says that he goes with joy and sells everything. Well, is, is my life is your life marked by an unreal sense of joy? Like a divine joy. If not, why? Could it be that we are holding on to things 
that are not of the kingdom. The third question would be, did I not read that third part? Oh, I did, I read, okay. Are we living a life where we witness about the life of Jesus and pointing to his kingdom in the way that we're living? Are we pointing to the kingdom of heaven in just the way we do every li everyday life? Do we do we just get scared of Jesus when he says there's going to be a judgment? Or is it something that actually encourages us and motivates us to share our faith with joy with other people? encouraging people that Jesus has made a way for us to come to him and be in the kingdom of heaven as we long for this new creation and new heaven and new earth. The two parables, I think, I think, um, shows something about value uh, but also they also show that a life lived for God is what really would is what is what really what we're looking for what we were created for because some of you or at least I, I mean I don't I can't speak for you guys but me sometimes I'm frustrated and annoyed at many things But then sometimes that's also an indication that I'm not living the way the Lord would have for me. Because it because the the way that we live everlasting with Jesus in the kingdom of God and 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 doing that while we're here. And I think most of you can testify to this that when you do the will of God, you feel different. You you just everything is different you don't you're not as annoyed as normally you're not as uh, <laughs> lots of other things I, and you know somehow you had extra power to do something you couldn't never have done you spoke to somebody and you never speak to anyone you had supernatural energy to help somebody move or something and I think we, we see those things when they happen. That when we're living in the path God has set out for us, as we read that he, the things he created even before the world began for us to walk in, then I do think we experience the joy of the first guy. That it doesn't matter. Because everything is God's anyway. I don't have to hold, hold anything because everything he owns, including me, is his. 
And therefore I don't have to hold on to these things, but I can let them go and say, Lord, use me, use these things, because they're yours. And then we don't have to be worried about so many things. Because like, <laughs> like that guy, I was like, why? Does, it, does the song end with the kid falling down from heaven? It's like, is he going to die now? Like, if you're looking at me. No, God's hand came and took him. So if, if this life, and I'm not saying it's easy. Jesus, is a, Jesus, Jesus puts one just in front and one in the end today saying, you're going to be around evil, frustrating people. But he also says, but you can live totally different because the joy of knowing me and knowing the kingdom will transform you so you are not of this world. And you can let go of the things that so easily entangles you. I gotta keep moving because I didn't have that in my thing. And these classic classic questions would be like, how do I find out? How do I do that? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to work harder? Do I need to give more? Do I need to... Well, I think that all depends on who you are and where you're at. And I like to say the same thing in all my sermons. is like, I am not asking you to do more work. I'm not asking you to work harder and I'm not asking you to feel guilty. If my... If my sermons bring you condemnation and shame then there's something wrong we can feel the pain of falling short and things we didn't do but it's always an invitation just like Jesus here it's always an invitation to see Jesus as more valuable and that in him we can experience this greatest joy and what does that look like? Well, I think it looks very different from all, from who we are. I think uh, <laughs> I think Stephen experiences joy different than I do. I, I I think we all experience this joy very differently because I think some of us experience, we experience God different ways. What does it look like? I think it could look very different. But I do think it's about walking in the way that the Lord has. Has has marked out for us. It also depends on where you are in your life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then that's the first invitation. The first invitation from Jesus is that you come and get to know Him. That's the first thing. Because, like we talked about today also in other parts is there's a good chance you will feel pain, shame and guilt and you can't wash that away yourself that doesn't go away that needs to be forgiven by Jesus that's the first invitation that you come to him, you see him as most valuable and then you're saying you, I should give all my money to you? No, no, no. <laughs> you shouldn't give all my money to all your money to me, but you should give everything up to God and see that it's His. Why? Because it's way better. 
because it's more valuable. It is the greatest treasure. And so, so if you're uncertain about Jesus, we've talked about it throughout the sermon, throughout the service, but it, and it's not entirely right, clear right now. And and also on this slide where the, the, the disciples say, "Yeah, we understand." I was like, I was like, I think you have to be honest, guys, and say you don't understand. But they say yes, and they they get it. But actually, it's not really clear for us. It is because we're looking back on the story. But at this point in time, Jesus has not died and he hasn't risen yet. So we don't even, we don't know how he's going to complete the story, how he's going to bring the kingdom, how all these things are going to work. But in Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, you can see that God has shown that he loves you. And he's made a way for you to be forgiven and reconciled to God, be a part of God's family. So we can stand as righteous, not as evil. And not because you did everything right, but because Jesus did. And I'm not a TV person salesman thing where this is an offer and you get 10% extra or something. I don't get anything from you becoming a believer. But I would invite you to come and understand who Jesus is because that might actually help you understand that God loved you. But it's only Holy Spirit can do the work as you listen to who God is. But I do hope that the Holy Spirit would ignite in you a love for Jesus and you repent and follow him. Because that's the also what the parables are teaching that us who understand, we don't want people to be thrown away. We want people to experience the kingdom, who God is, who Jesus is. So we want to share the joy that we have. For you, if you do not are a Christian, or even if you are a Christian, what is most valuable to you? Is it a thing or a person? And is that person or thing your idol? That you worship more than God? That you need to give to God? In order to experience the great joy of Him being the most valuable thing. (coughs) But then for you guys and other people say, but I followed Jesus for many years. Well, great. Praise the Lord. I just hope you, you are so filled with joy of what he's done in season and season and season. Well, I mean, that's so great. I mean, I'm just so thankful. That's why I just today say, I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm so thankful that we can worship together. I'm just, I mean, full of this joy and happy, joy that we can be together worshiping Jesus. But what did stick out to you? in the parables what pushed what, what pushed some of your buttons as we were reading this or did it hopefully by the Holy Spirit fan into flame your love for Jesus 
because you saw in the parables the goodness, the kindness of God. God's plan of redemption. Did this reading give you great joy like the first person? As you were reminded about the value of the kingdom, were you re-motivated to live this life every day for him? To live for the purposes God has for you? Did God bring to remembrance somebody in our fellowship or somebody from school or somebody from work that you need to just text or call afterwards? Do you need to sit and listen tomorrow morning or when you come home and just listen to what the Lord has for you? Do you need to recommit me to your time? It's like, I need to know God better through his word and I, I want to do that. that he encouraged you to enjoy him more and take moments every day to praise God in song and in speaking blessings back to him just like <laughs> what uh, Stephen was trying to lead us in the beginning where, like just say thank you to God and all this is not to say that your life is not going to have challenges it's going to have plenty of challenges. That's the net motivated, the net, net parable and the weed parable shows will be many temptation, trials, and frustrations. And joy is not us just smiling all the time and be like, oh, but it's this un relenting thing inside of us that even despite persecution we still see the kingdom of greater value than anything else. And if you are a believer, you, you already said yes to this. <laughs> you said yes when you said yes to Jesus and being his disciples. You, you, you said yes to what they're saying. That that yeah Jesus we get it we we uh I think I have another slide they they say they say yes Jesus we understand we understand the Old Testament we understand your teaching now is a continuation of what the Old Testament was and now we'll go and share with people who you are to the people well we stand on those people as well because if we believe in Jesus we are also given the command to go and share with great joy not because we have to because of the joy coming out of us we want all people to share that in many chapters in chapter 28 that's what they asked to do go everywhere and share about Jesus what he's taught and baptizing him in the Father in the name and the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit the great commission to go and share there's like a mini one that they get here, but that's the same thing for us. And so when we, and I'm not preaching just against you. I'm preaching for myself. I mean, I had a, I needed to come worship with you guys today. I need this joy. I need this motivation. Life is stinky sometimes, and there's a lot of death and evil around us. We need this great joy, or we're not going to do it. So I'm going to remind us about these verses. I've used them. I use them often. And I, for some of you, it's maybe the first time. For some of you, you've heard these verses many times. 
But I believe that's what we are called to do as a fellowship and as individuals. We've been called by God. We have God to know Jesus. We understand he loves us. And then we are called to be his ambassadors. So Paul will write from 2 Corinthians 5 and he will try to explain to us what we are asked to do. This is something that come before but we'll take it from here. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. So Paul calls us to be ambassadors and to share. And that's the second, the last part. How can we stand righteous? How can we, and we are caught in that net. And Jesus picks us up, or the angels picks us up and puts us in, not throws us back out as a broken bicycle and put us in there. Because for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that me might become the righteous of God. So we can stand righteous because God showed us in Jesus that he's reconciled us to himself so we can stand righteous, not in our own works, but in Jesus' works. These things must bring us great joy or nothing in the world will. And sometimes maybe we have to kick each other in the behind and remind ourselves about this great joy and what we're called to do. The only way we'll be satisfied is living for Jesus in his purpose the rest will make us feel weird you can drown yourself in riches and all sorts of other things but it will still not make sense God has before the world began made a path for us to walk in sometimes you're frustrated because you're not on that path sometimes you're frustrated because there's evil and other things on that path And the things that you got sometimes, they didn't deliver. The new car didn't deliver. Why? Because they got old. The new job didn't deliver because they got old, the job. Your kids, well, they were way more trouble than you thought they were. More money, more problems. Friends, they also can be a, something. Oh, I just need to get my papers purchased. I just need my, I just need to get my PhD. Yeah, it didn't change afterwards. Then there's just something else these things of the world will not bring fulfillment. The new fades. The two parables show us what is of most grace value. And they usher us in towards the kingdom and the king that we actually can live in this world despite the evils and the troubles with great joy living on purpose for and with Jesus as we remind one another to seek his kingdom first the promise is that all the things will follow So what does that mean for you and for me? Well, 
I'll ask myself to listen to myself and say, well, how about you stop doing the things that make <laughs> you less excited about who Jesus is? I'll ask you to do the same. And instead, enjoy the things that God has for you and walk in. Do the things that make you stir up your affections for God. What frustrates you the most? Either stop doing it or do something about it if it's possible. What gives you most joy? Cultivate those things. Do the things that give you more joy and love for Jesus. Because I really don't I really don't think Christians are supposed to be sad and angry people that the world is evil. I think we are called to be ambassadors reconciling people to God and be marked by the joy of Christ. Jesus reminds us in these parables that there will be a judgment but there will also be a great joy that we can live with here. And not just when we die, but that we can live with it here. And that our mission is to be ambassadors and sharing this news about the kingdom. And then, and then the greatest point is that in all the parables also, the kingdom will not be stopped. God's purposes will not be stopped. God will win over evil. And all the frustrations and sadness that makes us mad will be made new. So, when we're looking at all these things, and I know it was a lot of questions, but just boiling it down is, what is the most valuable thing Jesus in the parable says it is the kingdom of heaven. Is that true in our lives? And are we marked by that joy? Even though this world is marked by sadness and evil and loss. Do we believe, like the last point I made, I think it's a pretty good point, is the kingdom will never be stopped we can see it from the parables and we know what Jesus said. The gates of hell will never take it over. But we, if we, like, if we are like living this way, we will take over, or Lord will, bring many people to himself. Remember, we are the offensive people. The evil one is on the defense. And things are being snatched from him, from God. So that's a great encouragement that with great joy we can live out this life where we're taking back things to the Lord. So I want you to invite you to come and just see the joy of Jesus. 
knowing that his mission is never going to fail. I ask you to come to him because he can make you righteous and you don't have to stand scared in the judgment. Amen. So God, we just thank you so much for this time. Lord, I just praise you that we can even do this. Lord, when we are sad and downtrodden and evil and things and frustration in ourselves get in the way of us of worshiping and, and knowing you with great joy, I, I just thank you that you draw us back. I, I thank you for this fellowship. I thank you for these people. I thank you you've even given us a, a, a place to come worship you. Lord, I just thank you so much for reminding me today and us, like, what is of greatest value? Help us, Lord. Help us to see it. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see it. And Lord, I pray also for the people who don't know you, Lord. I pray this is the day they did turn, they, that you are opening up their eyes to see who you are, Jesus. This is the day of salvation, and your hand is never too short to save. I just thank you for the testimonies that you are saving people still. And, um, yeah, Lord, I pray that you would give us this, help us to seek it, help us to give it, give it to us, this amazing joy because we see the true value of your kingdom. And Lord, may we, may we all really deeply understand that you have loved us. So we thank you, we praise you, pray for each person just confused, challenged, Lord, that you meet them in this I pray nobody this time will leave. Yeah. So we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. What I was about to pray, and I didn't say, is uh, uh, if this message has really struck something with you, or you just want to pray with somebody, if somebody, uh, Joseph's here, I'm here, Kaleen here, Stephen's here, don't leave if you need somebody to pray with you about these things. Or just look around and, oh, maybe I can pray with the person next to me. Um, yeah. All right, let's uh, stand up for the benediction. <laughs> now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead all Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do as well, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And don't run away. Kalina has made some, uh, some dinner for us. So come and enjoy that together. <laughs>